Hello and welcome to G'day GEA. This evening we're coming to you live from John Heenan's kitchen here in St Kilda West in Melbourne. Good evening, John. How's it going, Liam? Good evening, Shawnee. Good evening, Liam. So, straight to it, as we just get into the tweets, it's episode three. We got some feedback, good feedback again on episode two. Um, tweet in from Dixborough GA Club, my own, my own club back at home. Um, great podcast from Borough Man at Lenny KK, talking all GA things down under. Thanks very much, Dixborough. Sean, you also got an email into g'daygea at gmail.com. Who was that from? I did. I got it from uh, PJ in Cork. PJ says, that Waterford lad is unbelievably blinkered, and any use of the hurley as a weapon is a red regardless of damage done. If you're not playing the ball, you shouldn't be on the field. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think like, I actually got a lot of phone calls as well about the way the discussion around Conor Gleeson and Petchland and last time. We won't get into it now again, but people saying that. That you made dirt to me on the air last week, John, the way you were trying to explain what the word petulant was oh. to me, as if I didn't understand it. I was the misuse of the word. So I'll tell you later on again. Yeah, what I mean. yeah, thanks for that. So we got some got some feedback on that. I also got a tweet in here from Donny Reagan at DVR05. Academia, where did you buy that class Aaron sweater from the Twitter profile? Hashtag fan of the pod. Uh, well Donny, um that jumper was actually made by my mother. She knitted it for me for my birthday and she brought it out there six weeks ago. So getting a lot of stick for it, but I actually really like it. It's nice and cosy this time of the year here, winter here in Melbourne. Sentimental. Sentimental, yeah. So anyway, lads, Mayo and Kerry, did we tune in? We did. We, we, we watched it here um, on the GAA Go app at uh, half, 12, half 12 on, on Sunday night slash Monday morning. <clears throat> it was a roller coaster ride. Myself being a big Mayo football fan, um, I thought Mayo played the best football they've played. Again, they've built on the Roscommon game. They outperformed Kerry. They probably had about 55% possession, but I guess they just weren't as clinical up front as Kerry were. And a 2.14 to 2.14 finish was um, the final score. And it, it was another classic between Kerry and Mayo, similar to that of the 2014 clash. Yeah, and I actually ended up watching the whole game myself. I know I said last week I was only going to watch the highlights, but I was actually off work on Monday and I woke up had the phone still on airplane mode, didn't know the result, and little boy Henry was up a bit early, so I said, I, I, I'll turn it on. I really enjoyed it. It was a cracking game of football. Like, it was, the first 20 minutes, was there three goals in the first 20 minutes? Am I right in saying that? Yeah. You know, it was, it was end-to-end stuff. And I think even the greasy day made it that bit more exciting, didn't it? Like, you know, the, for lights running Crow Park, you know, there was a great pace to it. Yeah, and it was interesting. All the kind of talk in the podcast leading up to it was kind of, Will it live up to the 2014 clash? And nobody said it would. And would Donaghy be a feature again? And and all these kind of questions. And I think Kieran Donaghy was definitely a feature of the game. Whether he was a feature of the game from a kind of a who was marking a point of view, or his contribution to his scores, or his contribution to other people's goals. I think he just featured very heavily in the game. Um, started off, Aidan O'Shea went up for the for the toss. Um, Lee Keegan was at centre back, and. Um, What's his name from Ballon Robe was at fullback. And literally within 30 seconds, Aidan O'Shea was gone mark, back to Mark here in Donaghy and they put Lee Keegan up centre forward. Because that had been the talk during the week that, that that switch was going to happen. But some people didn't think it was going oh, to happen. No, nobody believed it would yeah, happen. No, yeah. Dave, was it, um, David Brady. David was Brady it? mentioned it, yeah. And he yeah. was everyone thought he was off his rock. He got cut down, I think, yeah. and he said it on the, on, yeah, on the he radio. Yeah, he was yeah. spot on. But what about the, the character of Mayo again? I mean time and time again like not not just down through the years but like 
all this year. How many times did they come back from the dead? Like, yeah, you know, or things have been snatched away from them and they'll come back and, and answer all the questions again. And I think the big one was when they actually went that point down in injury time to live. Like that was massive. Like to take on that shot. Yeah. Like it was such a percentage shot. Like you know what I mean. Like. And Paddy Paddy Durkin scored yeah. it, and Paddy Durkin is probably one of the best backs Mayo have, and he got sent off in the Connacht semi final against Galway. And he was suspended for the for the next round, and he's never got his starting place back except for the last day when Lee Keegan was injured. And they were probably just trying to get him onto the game, and he'd actually missed the shot just beforehand. Right, yeah. Kicked it wide, and then had the confidence again to come up and kick the point. And yeah, it does. It shows their character. They're they're constantly going, but it's unbelievable. And like, and they they probably don't want, they they don't want to be hearing those stories like those. You know, we nearly got their kind of stories. I mean, they're sick of this now, and it's it's time for them to start winning stuff. So. But like that, Paddy Durkin is a dead sort to start the next day. And Evergreen, Andy Morn. Yeah, that was fun. like he was phenomenal, wasn't he? I think one five from play. He's a serious. Player. And a number of assists as well. Like, like he it, was awesome. It was interesting because Kerry obviously set up very strategically to stop the Mayo half back line from running. So when you watch the game, they probably had somewhere between <clears throat> seven and ten players across the middle totally blocking up stopping Lee Keegan even though he wasn't playing that back then trying to stop Colin Boyle trying to stop Keith Higgins from breaking through that middle third but as a consequence of doing that you're robbing Peter to pay Paul they had to leave their full back line one on one inside and that's where they left the space for Andy Moore and for Killian O'Connor to be kind of one on one with their men and when Andy gets a bit of space he, there's no better man to kind of pick his spot in the back of the net or stick the ball over the bar and it was, he did untold he did untold as, <laughs> as the Bo Feegan would say um he, he, he was just phenomenal. I think he probably had the ball in his hand probably 10 times. Uh, he probably scored 1-5, set up two more points and did other positive things with the ball as well. He was, he was phenomenal. Because there's some stat around him as well. I think he's constantly taken off around the 50-minute mark generally in games, so he doesn't normally last. I think, but I think on Sunday he lasted a bit longer. I think he got to the 60-minute mark. Am I right? Oh, Said no, that. He, was, he was on for the whole game. Is he on for the whole game? Whole game yeah, because yeah, normally they, they withdraw him, don't yeah. they? So himself and Colin Boyle are both the wrong side of 30 for in, inter-county hurling or inter-county football, I guess. But, and, and Colin Boyle is probably playing a wing-back up and down the field like a lunatic, probably only has a certain number of kilometres in him. And you could see, actually, when Colin Boyle broke through, he ran the length of the field, scored a goal, and you could see him pointing back at lads to tell him to go back to wing-back because he wasn't going to get space. back there for a while. So Colin Boyle was actually flying it, and, and that's who Paddy Durkin came on for. And they took Colin off after 43 minutes in this game. Mm. And again, people would kind of question Stephen Rochford as to whether he was right or whether he was wrong. But they, they seem to know when Colin would tire. And, and in the past, maybe Colin has tired in the last 10 minutes. And maybe that's when teams have got a goal or something like that. So they just they whip him off. They've got Paddy Durkin ready to go. So it's not as if they're weakening the team. Mm. They're just doing that kind of interchange piece, and, and it seems to work for them. And how do you think the replay will go now? Because considering, we'll, we'll touch this in a second, but they have been on the road a long time this year. Like they've played a lot of games, a lot. you know what I mean? They've had a couple of replays now. Yeah, it's You know, like, do you think they can get over the line? It's going to be Mayo's eighth or ninth game. I can't, I can't remember which one. I ninth. think it was their ninth game this weekend. Ten if they get to the All-Ireland final. And mm. It's similar to, to Kerry in 09 and Tyrone in 2008. When you go through that back door, they, I think both teams had a, a couple of draws in quarterfinals. They, they were kind of shaky against the Mino teams in earlier rounds. So uh, I, I think it's going to be pretty similar to the replay three years ago. It's going to be high octane again. They're both going to go for it. And I tell you, if Mayo can be a little bit more clinical, I think they've got a great chance because I think the two cornerbacks, Harrison and Barrett, Although Paul Ganey and James Dunne, who got scores from freeze, they really shut them down from play. Mm. And 
I well, think Mayo have less to work on than Kerry, to be honest, going into the replay. I, I, really I, I think yeah. like they, they know more. And because of all their games, they know more about their team than what Kerry do. Like they've they've been they've been through those hard games, Roscommon and Cork, and like they'll know a lot more about the character of their team and where where the matchups are and the setups are, and they're moving people around a lot. I mean, Rochford isn't afraid to, to try anything. I mean, like you see last year in the All Ireland final, and then you see this year with um, he had no shame. He had no shame. So he he he'll try anything. Like and fair play to him. I, I think they I think they have predictions. So Shawnee, who you I, I think me old win. Me for you. Yeah. John? I, I'm going to go with a Mayo win, yeah. I think they'll get back to the other and find. Uh, I think Kerry are probably playing within themselves, and I don't think they can change it around in six days. Yeah, look, I'll probably go with Mayo myself because I'd love to see him get there, and we'd love to see him get over the line, and hopefully they can do it. Um, we probably the only podcast in the, in the world <laughs> yeah. going for three Mayo wins. <laughs> well, just you, you touched on that there. I think it's their ninth game of the year, and obviously that's having a huge impact on the club scene in, in Mayo football, and I suppose it's a broader issue for. Uh, teams, club teams around the country when your county team goes into July goes into August you're on hold so like I know there's 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 some tournaments I know in Kilkenny there's the Burn Cup it's kind of a quasi competition to keep things going in between the league and the championship and that's coming to, to an end now but generally you, you put a week in teams but I, we see we have the weekend of the Ireland we have the, the Kilmacud sevens do you think there's opportunity for more competitions to be run within counties or like, I don't know, at that time of year, or is, is there any merit to it? Because if it's not the league and it's not the championship, people don't see merit. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in, in one way. And I think both parties are probably need to address it. One, from a total GA standpoint, uh, I think the level of participation at adult hurling and football has decreased by something like 60% compared to what it was 10 years ago because of the fixtures. Mm. Or there was some stat I read recently on one of the published reports from from crow park which 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 makes sense so you're uh, a ga player you can train from february straight through to may you'll have your first two rounds of the championship in either early, late april or early may and you'll be psyched for it and then as you said until the county team gets knocked out you don't know what's going on they could they could lose the monster championship or the connacht championship and then get beaten the first round of the qualifiers and you're out in club championship in july or they could go all the way to Crow Park and you don't get to play till october so it's very hard to stay interested isn't it really with that like you know i i, I think i think um, looking even at home there we had O'Loughlin Gales one day the club championship last year I think from talking to a couple of people at home the way they approached it was they approached it as two different seasons they approached they did February till I think it was till June that was their first season and then they, they nearly kind of went back to doing a pre-season again in July getting ready for the run into August, September yeah. and they went on and won it because they treated it as, as two halves of the year which is ridiculous but if you think about it if, they're, if you start back training in, in late February, March and you're going to get to a county final in a, in a county like a Kenny if you're getting that far you're not playing till the end of October yeah. you know what I mean like it, it nearly makes sense to do that but it's a, not a very long year I know it's not the case in yeah. every county but it's, it's the case in, in the majority it, it, of counties it, it is it? in Cork because they're all the clubs I mean, mm-hmm. all the clubs in Cork Championship the, the county finals are always in uh, October, September, October. I mean, we haven't been obviously in all Ireland in the last couple of years, but still the county championships are being run right into September, October. Mm. So, and the funny thing even about Kilkenny now is, even though they got knocked out earlier in the championship this year, the county final won't probably be a whole lot earlier. So we're into now the second last week of August. We just had the last round of the league championship last night in Kilkenny. There'll be a league final, then there'll be quarter finals, first round. You're still looking at 
into October and yeah. Kenny got knocked out in July. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it, there's something not right there that even when you do get knocked out earlier, it's still not catching up. So I, I think I think the CPA have been established and, and they're looking to pressurise the GA whether doing it in the, whether they're going about it in the right way or not. Um, <clears throat> to make change happen I, I don't think they are I think they're using the media as an outlet as opposed to going to county boards which I think they need to be pressurising county boards and, and, and Crow Park sending down a mantra from the start but if you look at it then from the flip side I, I remember when you playing underage you'd always have these kind of little tournaments going on during the year and they're brilliant crack you go off to let's say I don't know Dixborough and play four teams will be invited down on a Saturday and Sunday and you play a, a, a tournament Kind of a blitz, kind of. Like, like a blitz, and then you play a final on a Sunday and you can stay around and have a team bonding session or whatever. And To kind of bring it back to what we have here over in Australia, uh, we've got a tournament called the Melbourne Sevens, uh, the Padre Pierce's Sevens, and there's 56 teams from all over Australia, from hurling, men's football, ladies' football, and camogie, come to compete on this on one day on a Sunday, and it's the biggest GA weekend in, in Australia in yeah, the whole it's, year. It's an amazing day. Um, you, and, and the crack building up to it, you've got Snapchats going left and right, you've got um, guys coming from Perth, Brisbane, Sydney, Darwin, which like Adelaide. Dar Adelaide. Perth and Darwin is the equivalent of, of, of to coming to Melbourne is the equivalent of going from Moscow to Dublin. Yeah. But, you know, that's the size of the scale. And they book the flights, everyone lands in. You have a huge tournament. If you get to the final, you're probably playing four or five games in that day in a 33-degree yeah, heat. It's normally on, it's the second last Sunday in February, which in February in Melbourne is generally between 30 and 40 degrees. Yeah, so peak weather, it's peak summer peak weather conditions. And, and you're playing seven aside hurling or football on a full pitch. Yeah, But but I think the secret there for all the clubs is, uh, really like, I don't know the, the amount, but the, the Padre Pierce's club who run and make a phenomenal amount of money on They can run their club on it for the whole year. Um, and then on the flip side is, you've probably got the biggest drinking session <laughs> from a GA point of view in, 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 I'd say nearly in the world. They make all their money on cider sales. They yeah. make all their money. So the, the bar stocks up out in Gaelic Park, like absolutely stocks up for the doors heaving out with drink. And every year, come the, come the end of the finals, there's, a few, there's a, always maybe 40 or 50 people left over and they're gone out of drink. Yeah. Drink is completely yeah. gone. So all out of cider. All kinds of cider are gone. But yeah, but it's it's actually an amazing day because I remember I played my first one, oh, probably five years ago now, and I remember I met lads who had been in college with in UCC and Queens who I hadn't seen in years who were living in Perth or who were living in Brisbane and they were down hurling and there's no other way you'd bump into them in Australia yeah. only for to come down and I see him once a year, and even a fellow I heard over in over in Boston, uh, Shane Kyo, another lad who comes down from Brisbane hurls every year and it's a, it's a great catch yeah. up. The social with scene is brilliant. Yeah, with I those mean, lads who who you don't see, and uh, yeah, and each team sends down. A football code, a hurling code, yeah. a ladies football if they have it, and a camogie code. Like it's not just it's like there's literally six or seven hundred people out in Gaelic Park in Melbourne on that day playing. Playing and then there's six hundred supporters. Supporting yeah. it, yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's a, a it's a bumper day, it's massive, a great day. It's a massive day, yeah. It's probably yeah, it's, it's the biggest club the club scene the biggest day of the club scene out in um, here in Australia. And I mean you get the other thing you get to meet a lot of your own club mates who are probably mm, yeah. situated around um, Australia as well. I, I know my two two of my club mates were over in Perth first year I was here and I hadn't seen them in probably two years since they came out here yeah. and then went over to the went down to the sevens my first sevens competition and the two boys arrived out and we had a massive weekend they stayed with me for the weekend and yeah. you know the, the, the bonding alone is, is just is well worth it yeah, yeah no it is, it is great crack I know we haven't won it I think in four years is it yeah. five years <clears throat> we put a big push on the last couple of years it hasn't worked out for us but it's yeah. the one 
for, it's, it's the first tournament of the year out here and there's a great buzz around it. The ground is hard. Yeah. Suits forwards here like John. <laughs> loads, um, loads of space. space if you're yeah. forward now, you want to be scoring two or three goals a game yeah. in this. There's so much space. Just, just, tough, tough for a cornerback diff- now. A completely different game. I mean, you've got you're playing a full size, full size hurling pitch, and you've got you've got two backs, you've got a keeper, two backs, two midfielders, and two forwards. I mean, the amount of space is phenomenal. I mean, the first two or three, the first two or three games, everyone's going 100 miles an hour. They have plenty in the tank, and then it's the last, come the semi-finals and the finals. It's all cuteness and it's all steady up with the ball, take your time, pick out your passes, don't be wasting any ball. And I think if you go back to the fight, we got to the final this year, the Gary Owen Club in Melbourne in the hurling, and we, we were fairly confident we were going to win it, but the, the same Pats team from Sydney who beat us in the final, going back to sweeper systems, they, they got two <laughs> early goals against us and they, they brought three, three back behind the ball and we, we foolishly kept going for goals because sevens hurling is all about goals and they kept fouling us yeah. and kept going for goals and eventually we started tapping over points and we nearly pegged them back but um, it, it's a phenomenon and e- even from a sources side if, if you get knocked out in the first round or two Jesus it's a long day because you're on the beer <laughs> all day <laughs> and then it's probably a longer day if you're playing because you, you, you start your first game at 9 or 10 in the morning you might play the final at 5 o'clock in the yeah. evening so you're hurling all day in 30 degrees yeah. trying to keep yourself hydrated but, but I think the lesson to, to kind of close back home is you can organise this in Australia with very little help. And next thing, if, if you organise something similar in Ireland <clears throat> throughout the year, yeah, you get that social benefit from hurling, you get the enjoyment back into it. And plus you, you get, get to play other teams outside your own county and you, or, or you could organise it within your own county. Yeah, and then like you, you still get your hurling, you still get your, your touch going, you still get your fitness, you know, but it, you, it brings in the social aspect of it. And, at the end of the day, it's a club player. You know, club players are club players. Like they're not, they're not professionals, but and they're not inter-county players. So, well, a, a night out after after yeah. a match, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, I know it, everything it, doesn't need to be revolve around drink, like you know, no, or what, whatever. <laughs> but but like, like the point you do make there, Shine, though, is a lot of club lads at home aren't drinking in between. No, like not not, not drinking, but not socialising. You yeah. know what I mean? Unless there's a wedding or something like that. Even not just like. The week before the match, like literally, there might be four or five weeks, and they're all kind of minding themselves. You know what I mean? Like club it, players at this stage, which is just ridiculous. And it's hard to get it's hard to get practice matches at home as well because everybody's yeah. in the same boat, like. Mm. And you're there just going training, training, training with no matches, mm. and it's it, like yeah. fellas get fed up. Yeah, and I I, I think there's huge scope for clubs to look at that and I know if I was back at home now it's the first thing I'd love to get involved with experts to try and organise a tournament on a, a Saturday in the June Bank Holiday weekend in Kilkenny or something like that you know and get some teams up from Waterford or from Cork and I reckon you'd yeah, have a great day massive I remember yeah. my, my village at home Watergrass Hill um, used to be famous for a carnival they used to have a carnival this is years and years ago now they used to have a carnival in Watergrass Hill and there used to be a big massive hurling tournament and it was it was pretty well established and like winning that tournament you know was meant was a big thing. It made a big yeah. thing, like you know. Yeah, yeah. So if you had something like that, similar at home, now you know, between when the intercounty scene is on, and hopefully the CPA and the GA come together and actually have periods throughout the year where this is a club period, this is intercounty periods, you know, scene, and yeah. maybe you can organise those type of, those type of things in the intercounty. But you were saying there, John, about St Pat's where the team actually won the, the sevens competition this year in Melbourne, and what. A huge takeaway from that was me that they have, I think they have a hurling team, a men's football team, and is it a ladies' football? Ladies, and a come on. So they have, they have four different teams, right? Now, so we lost the final to, to St. Pat's, and when the final whistle blew, there was around 130 or 140, which mightn't sound a whole lot to people at home, but St. Pat's players yeah. and supporters 
all ran onto the pitch and they were all the four different teams together mm. as one that's right yeah and like same with us this year and Gary Owen we've had you know we've the, got the men's hurling men's football and ladies football and we've all kind of come together we all train on the same nights we train the same pitch we do social events together but I know at home in Dixborough it's getting a little bit better now we've had a, a recent fundraiser lip sync competition and the, the Camogie Club and the Hurling Club got together which is fantastic but generally the clubs are kept separate even though they play under the same name and that all comes down, I guess, from the very top up. So the ladies' football and the uh, camogie associations are separate from the men's hurling. So I, I, I guess you see all these kind of cries every now and again for a camogie final to be played before the men's final, and that would be a great thing. But probably, and I'm only speculating here, the, the argument against that is that who will get the gate? Will it be the ladies' organisation? Will it be the men's organisation? And how will they come to an agreement? You know what I mean? So mm. there's a little bit of... Um, separation between the clubs and uh, same thing happened this morning this morning won the All-Ireland Camogie title they bet Ballyhale Shamrocks from Kilkenny a couple of years ago and, and I had sisters involved in it and they, they put it up to the lads totally like come on what are the hurlers going to do are you ever going to win the county final yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, they gave yeah. us a bit of stick over it but we weren't that close with them um, to be honest whereas you come out to Australia and it's not the Camogie club and the hurling club and the football club it's the Gary Owen club and yeah. everyone's in it as one I think you form great relationships. I think people, I think single lads and single ladies coming over here get a great kick off it because they get to meet uh, like like age people. <clears throat> we've had a few relationships blossom yeah. with Gary Owen. Gary Owen has <clears throat> played Cupid on a couple of nights. I think we've had. Uh, we won't mention him by name now, but Mark Devlin there um, <laughs> has done very well for himself on the ladies footballer. So yeah, it's great to see. And we had a lad called David Hennessy as well. He was the ladies football manager, and he ended up going out with the ladies football captain. So he obviously had a hidden agenda taking on that job. <laughs> yeah, we might look into that one as a committee, actually. There yeah. might be an abuse of power there. Um, but yeah, no, I think that it's such a great point. And it's great to see that because, and even on the committee, we're all on the one committee together. So on our Gary Owen committee, we have ladies footballers, men's footballers and hurlers, as well as non-playing members. Whereas uh, you have your Dixborough committee at home, they have a separate committee for the Camogie Club, yeah. separate committee for the Hurling Club. Yeah. And, like, and I know why that is, but... I, I think there can be greater integration I think it just benefits the club it makes the club stronger and in terms of the social side of things you can really drive things in as well because I know they came together like I said for the lip sync and it was fantastic you know seeing all the all the, the clubs kind of converge yeah, you know? and, and the mystery tour that we had this year as well mm-hmm. everyone everybody congregated together and got in a bus and went around oh, Melbourne yeah. For, yeah. For, the, for the evening yeah yeah. No, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be said for it and I don't know there's, there's lessons to be learned it's funny when you come out here you don't think you'll, you'll see anything different about how things could be done at home so seeing things like the way they run tournaments and even to see the way that the teams are linked I think yeah, there's, definitely. there's huge benefits to it but um, yeah there's a, one particular man at the moment now who covers both in fairness to him is, is Buff Egan oh, yeah. and I, I've seen him at Camogie matches I've seen him at club hurling matches and, and also inter-county inter- matches as well now, obviously he has a, he has a hurling focus um, but I have to say I, I, I found him very enjoyable now it was a, a friend of mine Davey Ryan got me on to him I've heard of the, the Hurling Banter page on Facebook but I didn't know that he was on Snapchat <laughs> and Davey Ryan said to me how are you not following this lad like are you serious have you not heard of him straight away and I loaded him up and it's actually given me a whole new insight into games at home games that are not covered in the media or um, covered on the, on the 42 or whatever he goes to and it's, it's been fantastic I don't know it is yeah. it's a breath of fresh air I mean it keeps you connected obviously at the games but it keeps you connected to supporters and what's going on up in the stands and, and out, out, outside in the ground beforehand mm-hmm. and afterwards and his, his approach and his 
pure honesty in in what he his views are and everything like that are just it's just so easy to to listen to and watch yeah, yeah. and like he's he's after exploding in terms of popularity at the yeah. moment and like you see hordes and hordes of kids around him you see him going to summer camps sign now autographs. The signing autographs mm. it's, I think it's brilliant yeah. I think it's, it's and like it's, we appreciate it I think a lot more here because we're obviously not as close to the action back home and we wake up on a Monday morning and we get up we can if you haven't seen a match or whatever you can you're on the tram or on the train into work and you're flicking through Snapchat. And it's you're my favorite thing. It's it's, yeah. it's it's it is a breath of fresh air. Like you get a video analysis of the whole. It's my game. It's, it's my routine on, on on a Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whenever there's a game being on, I'll put in the headphones and because we're nine hours ahead, we're getting all the the, the, the messages in one hit. Yeah. So you're able to literally watch a game from start to finish with buff commentating on it, and it's been great for me because he goes to obviously like the Kenny Meyer games and the three one games that are not some of them are not on the telly. And obviously Adrian Mullen is an example. He's a, a well-known hurler. But I hadn't seen a whole lot of him because I've been away for the last yeah. seven years. But you, could you see, just read about him. And you read about him. Yeah. But seeing how prominent he was in the games, hitting the freeze, you know, Buff giving his perspective on Adrian Mullen. I know he didn't go so great in the other semi-final. But, like, it, it was... It's a, I, I knew he's the one to watch out for now. Even, you know, even though I hadn't seen it myself because I can see how, I suppose, prominent he has been underage for Kenny. Like, I know. think it's a massive avenue of media that, like, is is untouched at the moment and mm. he's bringing it to the fore I mean there could be something massive in that for him mm. yeah I think I think you have to give him credit like, like when you when you look at him initially and you saw him first Jesus a job there from bloody West Kerry hurling <laughs> uh, country in Kerry like and then they wouldn't be popular down there but he, he he's brilliant and fair play to him for just having the balls to go out there and do his own channel and set up his Facebook page and his Snapchat page and you're a big fan of the cooking with Buff. I well, love cooking with Buff, yeah. <laughs> I was devastated when that went away, but it's back now, thank God. But no, fair, fair play to him. Um, he does give you that insight. He gives you the crowd feeling as well. And he's and, and he's just a kind of a, he's a layman GA man that kind of has gone mm. kind of media, which is, which is a great thing mm. to see. Yeah. But the unfortunate thing is obviously he obviously gets a lot of abuse yeah. as well, which is, you know. It was a kick. Any lads kicked him in the stomach. Yeah, no, but you saw him, that was on a night out in Langton's. That could have been a tipperary fell in from Mullinahorn for the night. Um, but yeah, look, he gets a lot of abuse, which is unfortunate. Like, but I suppose you're on an internet medium like that, you're putting yourself out there, you're going to be shot down. Like, we were doing a podcast here, we get flack as well, which is fine. PJ but, from Carca, I know who you are. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I feel from a little bit there because I think he puts so much into it. Like, he takes it very personal then when he, when he, when he gets the abuse. And I think people know the reaction they're going to get when they give him the abuse that he rises to it every time, which is unfortunate, because he has so much fans out there. The general consensus is that everyone loves him. I know yeah. John, you were a bit sceptical of the Snapchats at the start. Yeah. Is that a fair point? It's fair point, yeah. And yeah. I had to get you to go back onto it again. Yeah, but he's, he's good. Yeah. I yeah. like the way he actually, you know, calls out the lads who are giving him abuse. You know, he'll, he'll go back on the Snapchat and he'll say, this lad did that, and that mm. lad said this. And like, I think it's brilliant, because, you know, expose the boys that are doing that. Like, cause it's yeah. petty, and it's like... He, he, it obviously gets to him like he should ignore him like, cause what's, inter- what's interesting now though is though he's appearing at a lot more gigs now like he's doing summer camps yeah. I've I seen him at a fundraising night for Tommy Larkins fair play to him yeah I, I hope, hope he's, he's getting you know getting a bit of cash for it yeah. because I, I, reckon we should, I reckon we should make a point here now so the Gary Owen Club runs probably the second biggest tournament in Melbourne which is the Gary Owen Nines and that's actually run two weeks before the Melbourne Seven. so I'll call out the Buff Egan here and now. We'll pay for your flights, Buff, if you come over and cover the Melbourne Nines next next February, the first weekend of February in, in Melbourne. And we'll have accommodation for you as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's, that's, that's a fact, so that's no whoever, issue. Whoever is this podcast needs to send it to the Buff Egan. Yeah. yeah. 
I hope you're, we'll tweet you both after this anyway it's, and you it's might in, get back to us it's in February 2018 February 2018 the 1st is it, what is it then? the 7th and 8th of February 7th and 8th of February okay accommodation and flights that's, a, that's a, not a bad get, offer is it get someone to look after the farm for a few weeks and head out here there's plenty of brothers there <laughs> he's a brother actually hurling in Sydney he can he go does, yeah, clean. Yeah, yeah, right. not, he, who actually was the guy who got the two goals against us does he play the seven pass? Yeah, he so scored two goals oh, against yeah, us in the yeah, final yeah. he can go home and mind the farm <laughs> for the sevens this year and not play the sevens not very, play. a very good hurler actually his brother he played he played with the state team last year up in Brisbane for New South Wales and was actually a referee the same day and yeah. Buff so was actually wearing his jersey that's in right. the Snapchat yeah. the other day. He had the New South Wales state yeah. jersey on number 14. Yeah. So, man, and yeah. a very good hurler, actually. Yeah. He's another little nippy corner forward. We don't like him. No, we don't like them. <laughs> not, not in open territory out in the seven-a-side field. No. But we obviously, we're, we're, we're getting close, obviously, to the, to the All-Ireland final now, and we're going to do a, a special episode next week. We're recording that, uh, an All-Ireland preview. Um, and we're going to have... Former intercounty Waterford hurler Richie Foley is, is, is going to come on and have a chat with us. Not live, unfortunately. He's uh, he's back in Dublin working away, but he's gonna he's going to we're going to record an interview with him over the weekend, and he, he's going to help us with um, I suppose give a bit of an insight into what the build up to the Ireland will be like down in Waterford. He was involved back in two thousand and eight. Yeah, Richie's first year in the pan would have been two thousand and eight. He's a serious operator. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to hear what Richie has to say. Yeah, he played hurling in uh, UCC as well, I believe. I remember seeing him. Yeah, in yeah, UCC. he won a Fitzgibbon in, in UCC. Yeah. I actually heard about him in Fresher as well, but he won a Fitzgibbon in UCC. I think it was two thousand and nine. I'm going to say two thousand nine. Yeah. Um, I think with, with John Mulhall and Joe Jordan and, and Don Hanley and a few other lads. Um, Shane O'Neill. Shane O'Neill was back, Yeah, yeah. Um, which was a, it was a good vintage for UCC that year. They hadn't won it in a few years. That's right. Um, but obviously coming up this weekend, we've got. Uh, Dublin Tyrone on, on Sunday as well um, how do we see that one going? Tough one to call I think Tyrone have actually matched their defensive game this year with their attacking game they scored an average of something like 23 or 24 points a game and the the key is will they be able to contain the dubs and it's probably the best attack in the game going up against the best defence in the yeah. game so um, Dublin don't like playing Tyrone they haven't played them in a knockout game, I don't think, in a long time. Uh, not a serious Tyrone team, anyway. So it, it's it's going to be interesting. Will Jeremy uh, Connolly start? Will Jeremy Connolly start? If I was managing the Dublin team, I'd put Jeremy Connolly centre forward or wing forward straight away. I think he's absolutely yeah. gifted. So yeah. uh, I've I've no doubt he will start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think a player of that caliber. I mean, no matter like. He's the, the equivalent the of an Austin Gleeson or a Joe Canning. A Joe Canning whoever. No, no, I'm just saying, like, for the extent of time that he's been out of the game, it, it would make no difference to him. No, no, so, so I'm saying a, a player of that calibre, though, is and like, he has yeah. to come straight back in. Yeah. But you feel sorry for whoever's dropped, though, wouldn't you? Like an Ireland semi final, whoever loses out but, after being involved in a Leinster final win. But that's probably the way with, with, with that Dublin panel right down to the last sub on the panel, I'd say, because they're all probably fighting for positions every, every week. Mm. Because yeah. they're so competitive. But they've got their full squad, full pick for the first time. Like Paul Flynn is back, Cormac Costello is back, who came on and was phenomenal in the replay last year against Mayo. They've got Connolly to pick from again. Um, it's going to be hard to pick a man to do, but I think they played Eric Lowndes as a wing forward in the last game, and he's a wing back. They actually t- purposely to man mark that wing back that bombs forward from um, from Monaghan. So um, I reckon they'll just take Lowndes out straight in and, and put Connolly straight in. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to watch that one live? Um, I watched Mayo replay live against on Saturday night. What time is that one actually? On three p- three p.m. Oh, mi- midnight Saturday. for us. Midnight for us. Oh, yeah. that's a grand time, yeah. I probably won't watch Dublin Toronto live. I'll probably watch it Monday morning. Will you stay away from the result? 
Yeah, watch the first thing. Shawnee? I'll watch, I'll probably stay up and watch the Mayo and Kerry on Saturday night. Um, Dublin Tyrone, it's a big Monday morning, so I'll probably Monday night. wait till Monday night yeah, to yeah. watch it. I'd, I'd say I'll probably stay away from the result, but I'd, it'll probably come up at some stage. You'll turn on the phone, you'll forget about yeah, it. Yeah, well, I've, 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 I've a busy day at work on Monday, so I, I could avoid <laughs> yeah, you it. You said there twice that you're busy, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're you're bu- busy on Monday, Johnny. You must be very busy on Monday, are you? <laughs> You're wondering in sick now or anything. You wouldn't understand. Monday. You wouldn't be as busy as me. <laughs> no, no, none of us are as busy as no. you, Shani. Um, yeah, so looking forward to that. It's a, a good weekend of, of GA action. Obviously, we had the under twenty one um, semi finals as well last weekend. We saw Kilkenny had that massive win over over Derry and and Limerick got over Galway. I know there's been a lot of criticism over the. Any predictions for? Uh, we forgot to do predictions. Oh, for sorry. Dublin, Take a step back. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Dublin. Yeah. Dub- Dublin. I'm going to go to Tyrone. Tyrone, yeah. Okay. I, I just think, I think they're the, the, the defensive key of, of, of Tyrone, I think, will frustrate the hell out of, of, of Dublin. I think, like, how many times is Mickey Hart? He's a, he's a master tactician. Like, I, yeah, I, I reckon I, there's something up his sleeve. I, I like your thoughts there, because yeah. when Mayo played Tyrone in yeah. exemption, Mayo have a great record over Tyrone. Yeah. They bet them last year, and they bet them in 2004 in the last two kind of key games that they played. So, if it's like a Mayo Tyrone final, it'll nearly be as novice as uh, Tyrone as have as classy a team as Dublin. Like you've got Niall Sludden, Matty Donnelly, Tieran McCann, you know, then Sean Kavanagh around there as well. I mean, they're they're serious players. Like so, they, they actually play they fairly similar. have a lot of quality. They play fairly similarly to the Watford hurlers in that they contain, 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 and they they play a lot up front. And then they've got these guys like I think it's Ronan O'Neill was his name. He comes on. Yeah. He's a phenomenal footballer. He's probably eating a bit too much pasta to be starting, you know, at <laughs> inter-county level. Like he's, he's a few pounds on him, but like yourself, he, like myself, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he is a serious finisher, like, and he usually ends up the game with one one or two one or two two or something like that yeah. after he comes on. Similar to Mara Shanahan for Watford, so yeah. uh, they Jesus. do have that contain game. So I was going back to Watford. Isn't brings it, it back to Watford. <laughs> Mara Shanahan. We know yeah. he's your club mate, like, and we know he tunes in. But like they, they have, and they have, like they have Peter Peter Hart and Tieran McCann, who are you know equivalent to, to um, McCaffrey and McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. And and um, what's his name from Mayo? The wing back from Mayo. Lee Keegan. Lee Keegan, yeah. Like they're equivalent, you know, same type of players as them. Yeah, I think I think it'll be two interesting games. It'll be two tight games. It'll be like the two hurling semi-finals. It'll be a yeah. a toss-up. Um, it's great to get another game anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's great to get another replay in there again. Another, yeah. You know, it's we're great com- for the GA now. It's great for the GA. Three million. Exactly. But to reduce it, the, the ticket prices by a fiver, I think. So. <laughs> Fair play. They're being good to the fans. Yeah. But um, just back on the under-21 there, just saying there's a lot of criticism coming in for the Kilkenny Derry game. I think Kilkenny racked up 8.21 or something like that. 8.35. Sorry, 8.35. The seven points. You know, and, and Buff was actually at that game as well. Mm. I saw he was doing the coverage of That's it. Right. And uh, my understanding is that the form is changing for next year, but I suppose the under twenty one is the last one to change. Am I right in saying I that? I don't think the under twenty one is changing. No, I, I heard Ed, Eddie Brennan talking about calling for a change. I thought it was going to change. No, okay, it's maybe I'll go wrong there. The minors to seventeen is the minor only seventeen. Change. Eddie Brennan said that there should be only like eight teams in the um, under twenty one championship that have a, cha- a realistic chance of winning it, or, or sixteen, and it should be an open draw. Knockout, forget about your provincial titles, but I guess the one that's kind of worrying people is the Munster Under 21 Championship. All the people no one wants to touch Munster, of course. The sacred Munster, whether it's senior or under 21. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Galway went into Munster and they didn't win it for 20 years and they came out again. <laughs> but yeah. um, we'll, but give, look, we'll give it a few little digs into Galway here where I can. <laughs> no, but I feel for Derry because Derry had a great win in the 21. They bet Antrim, which was a massive shock, and it was a huge, they were, like, it was, yeah. they were delighted. Yeah. And then they go into the Ireland semi-final and play Kilkenny. 
and I know I was talking to people there and people were saying oh that was bad form Uncle Kenny you know they scored eight goals they should have pulled up and kept going for points but it was like Eddie Brennan dropped three lads for that I learned semi final lads came in lads are playing for a place in Ireland final mm. sorry now you're go- like lads are playing for places you're not going to hold back you know? no, look, I feel for Derry like, you look, know? Derry are going to look back on their season and they're going to have a phenomenal season they won an Ulster in 21 championship the first one they won the, the, that shouldn't happen it'll, though, it'll be a blip on the up but it, it's like if the winners of the Christie or England didn't play at Kilkenny or Tip or, or, or Watford they'll get absolutely hammered mm. so it's just the way the format of the competition has been set up like Antrim have got all these hammerings over the last couple of years as well and nobody said it it just so happens it was 52 points this year not 32 yeah yeah I think it's yeah. the same it's, it's, it, it's no different but I think the other game was a phenomenal game it was level with three minutes to mm. go Galway who would have been the underdogs Limerick would have been a se- Limerick have had about, have about eight or nine of the Limerick team serious team, team serious team and they won the minor three years ago and Conor Whedon hit a goal I think with ten minutes to go and, they, and it was point for point after that and in the last four to five minutes including stoppage time Limerick pulled away in, in, in that one so um They've they've got some serious players. They still have the two Lynches. They've got Cosgrave. They've Nash, um, Nash Barry Nash. They, they've a phenomenal team. So uh, and they've got the centre back who plays full forward for the seniors as well. Kyle Kyle can't remember his second name. But he's Is it Hayes? Kyle Hayes. That's yeah, the one. Kyle yeah. Hayes. Yeah. So um, I I think it'll be a very good one. Twenty one hurling. I'm looking forward actually. actually. That'll be a good one. Uh, Might I, get a bit of silverware. I I think that'll be on Diego as well as the yeah. one final. Yeah. I think yeah. I think I think. Um, Limerick will win that though looking on, on paper but you mm. never know in the final you never know in the final you never know in the final this is the guy so yeah, Limerick Limerick are back to the top table again in under 21 and I remember they won the one they won the three, three, years, three in years in a row never Andrew never Shockness pushed on to do anything in the senior just, you yeah. look at Galway as well how many underage yeah. you know it, does, it doesn't unfortunately yeah. come true for That'll those be a topic things. for another day but anyway yeah I'd say McCork the last time they won a minor was 2001 and they're in the other final now yeah so yeah, interesting times, interesting times. So, like we said, we've got what we've got next coming up next week is the preview of the Ireland final. Um, we're going to have Richie Foley on. We might have a Galway man on for some balance. He might do a bit of work on that during the week. John isn't keen to have a Galway balance. He just wants to talk I talk can, all Waterford in the build-up. Unfortunately, there's two teams in the final, John. We I can give the Galway perspective. <laughs> <if you want. laughs> so, look, thanks very much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. John, thanks very much for hosting us this evening in your kitchen for the cups of tea. And the biscuits. And the biscuits. I didn't have any myself, but I might have a couple next week. Shawnee, thanks very much for coming along. No problem at all. Thank uh, you. And we'll be recording our next episode, and we'll have it out to you next week for the, for the All-Ireland Preview. Thanks for tuning in. Good night.